Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Good day, good evening, good morning, and welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Yes, on today's show we have Laura Muse, who has raised so much money, there's so many zeros, and and I quote almost, new builds are easier than refurbs on normal little old buy-to-let houses. What? That's contrary to popular belief, isn't it? This was a really interesting podcast, how we compared the process of new builds and old builds, I suppose you'd call them, but also went into some tips on how to raise money and how to find deals, and in particular looking at the relationship aspect and just how important that is. Um, And Laura talks us through her portfolio, uh, the way that she's raised almost four million plus exclusively. You ready for this? No, not from sending pigeons with letters, not from physical networking events. Nope from social media so if you want to know how to raise investor finance listen to this one just a reminder my book is well at this point it might be out by now but let's assume it isn't let's assume i'm late like i am if you want to be on the waiting list please send me a dm it is going to cover almost everything from a to z or a to z on how to buy your first property and then quite a few afterwards as you can see from my Instagram story, I'm probably laughing at it. I have made a lot of mistakes um, and uh, there's a lot of challenges I've experienced. All of this is in the book. So send me a DM and leave your YouTube comment. Laura, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hi Tej, finally we've uh, we've arranged a day and we are now doing a podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know, we met in January? Yes, yes, yeah, we did. In in Yorkshire, in lovely York. I know, and... my hometown. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, it's, it's a posh town, I'll say that. Oh, uh, no, sorry, I meant Yorkshire, Ted. Oh. I'm certainly not from um, York, <laughs> where we were. <laughs> well, I love Yorkshire. Um, it, it, it's such a big place. Like, I enter it in the car and I'm like, oh, I'm still in Yorkshire. I'm still in Yorkshire. I'm still... <laughs> it never ends. Um, but it's a great place to invest, obviously. It is which we'll we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, I think when I saw you speak, you spoke about social media and I thought yes. this is really interesting. I definitely want to like speak to you about this or do something on this. And then I saw what you're doing online um, and the new build that you've just yes. finished or is being yeah. finished. Nearly finished. Hopefully Nearly in a couple finished. of weeks, fingers crossed. Which looks amazing. So I thought, oh, I mean, you. there's endless things we could talk about. But before we get into all that, like, who was Laura? What was Laura doing before property? So Laura is an equine nutritionist by trade. Mm. Um, so basically, I used to go around advising people what to feed their horse. Um, I'd done it. I went, I went left school. I went to uni. I specialised in equine nutrition. So up until 2018, I'd never done anything in property. It was all what we already had in our portfolio was something that my, my husband had acquired over the years. I had no interest. Um, I set up my own business importing and exporting equestrian goods. Um, but the big turning point for us, um, if you don't mind me sharing, because I think it's important for people, is 
Um, unfortunately, in 2015, we had a big life event. So unfortunately, I lost my mum, my nan and my auntie within three months of each other. Um, and it just really made us reevaluate our lives. So James, at the point, had quite a big energy renewal company in Sheffield, um, took a lot of his time, a lot of effort. We were trying to run that. He was trying to run the business. We currently had our first new build, so our first build to rent project we were doing at the time. Plus all that had happened. They were just not spending much time together. Um, and I'd not spent a lot of time with my family towards the end because I was working in a corporate business. You know, they demanded a lot of my time, spent a lot of time away from home. And we just thought, what are we doing all this for? We don't want to go through our lives working for other people or working these ridiculous hours. You know, life's too short. And it clearly proved that to me when, unfortunately, I lost my family. Um, so I am equestrian through and through um i've not had a horse now since i got into property <laughs> um <laughs> that's been the deposit to buy the houses am i joking i thought you'd be um, riding a horse around slightly shouting at builders <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so horsey through and through up until 2018 interesting and then was the kind of switch into property because um james your husband had done it before was that quite natural or did you have to think about it um so in 2018, I actually had a, an equestrian business, like I say, and I went to do a social media course. He went to um, do just lo- learn a little bit about property because how we'd been doing it was the traditional, you save up, you buy, you refinance. Like That's how we thought you could only buy a property. Um, and by looking into it a little bit more, James thought, do you know what, I'm just going to go on these different courses that are available, like just the, you know, like the taste of days. There must be something we're missing here. And literally that day we both met up after because strangely enough, the courses were on the same day at the same venue. Um, And I just decided I've been speaking to these property investors in this room all day. And I thought, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm spending all this time away. We had a little girl, at the, you know, a baby at the time. She was only um, she was only two. I was away from home so much. Um, I'm like, what on earth am I doing? I'm going to have to tell James I don't want to do this business. It's going to kill me. and then we met up later that evening and he just went, Laura, we need to stop this equestrian job. I said, I know. I, I'm so glad you said that. He went, there's this, I think you just come on board, do our marketing. I've heard this thing called deal packaging. I don't really know what it is, but let's just give it a go. And literally the next day I shut my business down. Um, so I'm very impulsive, <laughs> uh, which is good because James is not as impulsive as me. So it does balance things out. Um, but I'd literally look back. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a gross yield was. I didn't know what return on capital employed was. And I've been on a massive journey these last two years, but it's been really worth it. Mm. And so, you know, from that moment onwards, deal sourcing, deal packaging was the thing. Yeah. Like, talk me through that first kind of stage. Did you package deals or did you do something else? No. So the first the first step was we, we have. We were really fortunate because James sold his business um, in 2017. So we were lucky that we had a lump sum of money to start off with. Don't get me wrong, like it wasn't massive amounts, but it was enough. So I just started going out looking at little two, three bed properties. I didn't have any investors. I didn't really know what an investor would want to invest with us for, <laughs> if I'm being really honest. I thought, who oh, the hell is going to give us any money? Um, and it, we hadn't come to that point then that we thought do you know what if we want to scale and grow this business as what we want to we need other people's funds we hadn't hit that point then um so went on my merry way did the deal packaging course thinking do you know what 
it's just a great way for me to be able to structure any deal. And that was the main reason for me doing it. Not because I mainly wanted to deal package for other people. It was the only thing we really wanted to focus on is building our own portfolio. Um, went out couple of weeks landed our first property uh, which was amazing I was so excited I literally cried when I got the call that a deal had been accepted um, on a two-bed terrace I wish I still had that feeling now when a two-bed terrace gets accepted <laughs> but you know, I'm sure you can agree Tej uh, your expectations are uh... just a sinking feeling now like oh shit, <laughs> yeah. really are, are you sure it's my offer oh okay yeah. oh yeah. god I've got to get return yeah. done <laughs> Um, so I didn't start deal packaging probably up until about eight months into me being in property full time. Um, so yeah. And how did you know, so obviously you bought a two bed terrace. How did you know what your strategy was going to be? Buy to lets, HMOs, service accommodation. How did you know then? Um, so we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we, we had two buy to lets to sell. And then, like I say, we'd done a, a build to rent project, which was two shops and two flats. So we already had them in our portfolio which brought in about £1,500 a month. But I had not had anything to do with that process. So naturally for us, we, we didn't know about serviced accommodation. We didn't know about rent to rent. You know, um, my mother and father-in-law have got a few HMOs, but we'd always been put off of that because of how they run them. Um, so we just thought, let's just go and look for some buy to lets. You know, it's simple. It's something I can learn pretty quickly. And I didn't know anything, so I had to start with the basics and buy to lets for us was just a no-brainer. But as we've gone through the journey, I have tried rent to rent, I have tried serviced accommodation, um, I've tried HMO, we've got one in our portfolio, and I say one for a reason. Um, and we've always come back to buy to lets, we absolutely love them, um, set and forget, and it suits our lifestyle. Mm. And I think that's... You know, I speak to a lot of people who are doing HMOs and doing other stuff. And I, a lot of people are kind of saying, you know what, I'm going backwards, as they call it. I'm going back to single lets because, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, HMO is thousands of pounds a month in net income and profit. But then, yeah, a lot of people are going back for exactly what you said, set and forget. I mean, that first two bed that you purchased, was it set and forget? How, how was that experience? Yeah, 100%. So, um We've still got the same tenant in now. So he's been in there nearly two years now. Um, mm. Not moved out. Renovation, obviously, James deals. So we're really fortunate in our business that I find the properties, I find the investors, and I build the relationships with the agents and director vendor leads. Um, once I've secured a deal, matched an investor, if we are packaging or we get the keys, I then hand it over to James. So then James organise our refurb team, etc. So it works really well like that in our business. I don't get involved in what he does and he very rarely gets in what I, involved with what I'm doing. Um, so it was just really easy compared to the other things we've done. Um, but if I'm really honest with you, Tej, new builds is far easier than renovating a, an old 1960s or whatever, three beds semi-detached. Really? <laughs> just, yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%. Wow. Um, okay, we'll, we'll so. get to that then because I think new builds i mean they seem harder because you look and you've got some mud and you're like oh <laughs> let me make this into a house there's a but... lot of mud in sheffield i can show you <laughs> okay, there's a lot of mud in wales too and i think it's one of those things that you wouldn't think that because you know you look out your window at a house and say well it's a house i mean but i kind of i can kind of understand why you're saying that after doing so many refurbs and but we'll get to that so okay cool 
After this first bite to let, it all went well. James looked after the reef. By the way, the split between you and James, was that a natural thing? Or did you have to sit down and say, right, you do this, I'm doing this? Oh, we had to sit down. So I don't know if anyone who will be listening to this podcast works their other half. But um, <laughs> yes, there's been many of argument is all I'll say. And living like every business partnership, you know, is a relationship. Mm. Um and we really did have to kind of rein in a little bit. James has always managed people. I've never been micromanaged. I've always managed my own time. Um, so we absolutely clashed and butted heads for probably about six months when we first started, um, treading on each other's toes. Well, I'm doing that part of it. And it just came to a point where we're like, look, you've got strengths and so have I, and they are very different. So we literally sat down and worked out a list of what we enjoyed, because I think that's really important. Um, not just, you know, James is good with attention to detail, but he might not necessarily enjoy doing all the detailed spreadsheets. Um, so it's important, I felt, for us to sit down and work out what we enjoyed and what we're good at and just we can pick what we want to do and the rest of it we can outsource. So we're very fortunate. We've got um, a finance guy in our business. He's been with us for years from James's previous business. So he takes a lot of the load, as in the detail and the clarity the forecasting and um, profit and loss accounts, like all that, he deals with all that side of our business. But obviously, we you know we meet up with him two, three times a month. Um, so he's a very active part. But I think when you're in a partnership, you definitely got to sit down and work out what you want to do and what you're good at. Mm, 100%, I agree. And so after this first two bed terrace by Tellet, how did you, or how has your portfolio grown in terms of? kind of buy to let excluding new builds how has your kind of portfolio grown there yes yeah, so we're still majority a new build so we're at 14 units I say units because one of them is a hmo um okay. so by the hmo we've got two shops which we built years ago and the rest are buy to let and we absolutely love them um and yeah. you know even though they don't bring in as much as the hmo why yeah. do you still love them so much? I know why, but why do you still love them so much? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're really easy. Yes, they don't have the £1,000 cash flow that our HMO has, which is which is fine. But for me, it's all about your lifestyle and why did you get into property? Was it because you wanted to spend more time with your family um, and enjoy that part of it? Because for me, HMOs, they are more work. I don't care what anyone says. They 100% are. Even if you um, put them out to a letting agent, that's fine, but is the letting agent really going to fill them as diligently as you would? You're mm. going to have a higher turnover and you've got more voids. Whereas with a hit, with a buy to let, you tend to get families that are in there, you know, two, three, four years, if not more. And we specialize in buying three beds. Um, so we've only got one, two bed in our property, in our portfolio, because three beds, people have been in there a couple of years now. They're looking to start families. Our tenant type is professional. And they don't really want to move move out or move on. They're very happy in the home that we've created. Um, and, you know, we still get 350, three, £350 a month per property. So I don't think that's that bad. It isn't, especially when, you know, I think we can both attest that if the refurb's done right and the tenant is found right, yep. it is as passive, I think, as anything can be because... I mean, over the, you know, the tenancies you have, excluding the HMO, just, just on buy-to-lets, how many hours a month do you think you put into managing them or just on oh, them? Um, I'd be lucky if I had an hour a month. 
and that, and that's how and many that's tenants? Who... Like 10, 10, 12 tenants? So we've, yeah, yeah. Um, the only time I hear from them is when their tenancy is up for renewal and um, they're like, we want to stay um, or there's an issue, um, mm. which is very, very rare. Obviously, I've just said I spend probably an hour, if not two, maybe max. Um, and it's literally a quick text to our property uh, maintenance guy. Can you go to this property, fix this issue? Yeah, no problems. It's, it's sorted out. Um, but like you say, the refurb is very important. And I think... I know you're very similar to us, Tej, in that respect. You know, we do our refurbs properly. We don't skip things. We don't cut corners because mm. if you're keeping them long-term, it's going to come and bite you on the ass, so to speak. You know, <laughs> yeah. your maintenance is going to be higher, whereas, you know, everything we've got, more or less, has always been rewired. 95% of them have got new boilers, you know, replastered. They're, they're nicely painted inside. We've got good interior Um and we don't use cheap, cheap. I know a lot of people use cheap, cheap, but but we don't because we want longevity from our properties and they need to be a little bit robust. Mm. I think it's hard at the start to kind of, you see the, the cheap, cheap boiler or the, the cheap something and you think, oh, you know, that, that will kind of do the job. But then, you know, and I've learned the kind of hardware, I suppose, from my early refurbs that actually, when it comes to things like boilers and electrics and things like that, yeah. Yeah. Now I don't even if if a Sparky I trust says Ted, look mate, I know you didn't want to <laughs> on the spec, but this needs a rewire. Here's why. I don't yeah. even question. I just say, yep, get it done. If it's yeah. like, oh, what kitchen level? Then it's like, okay, look, let's let's do something here. But like you said, you can't cut those corners. It'll just come and bite you in the ass in the future. Um, I think as well. I don't know if you find this, but you know, if you do you're doing a refurb, but you, you know, like we say new kitchen, new bathroom, rewire, etc. new boiler. Realistically, if you've done a really good refurb, you should have very little maintenance for the next 10 years. And that's no exaggeration. It, it should be very little for the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I'm finding that. I mean, looking at some refurbs that were not done as well by bad builders, yeah, we've had to fix some bits. But generally speaking, you know, we've had little maintenance, our wind damage to one of the roof tiles, um, something we didn't, see during the refurb that's kind of come loose or yeah. it yeah it, it does make a huge difference but you know what you said earlier about three beds versus two beds yeah. that's super interesting because two beds you know obviously can still be great investments still be great yeah, yeah. you know be our investments but your point about longevity and tenant type and things like that that means with three beds you have less voids if yeah. any potentially um and you have an easier life now i didn't really think about it like that you know but that's a really good tip for people right is like yeah i think so personally anyway <laughs> i mean it, it kind of makes sense with especially now with corona when we're always indoors and like people want more space you know yes one home office one bedroom one then for the kids or something like that so i think it's kind of the considerations that we have to take into account so you know as you were you know as you said before you and james have a certain split he looks after the refurbs you find the deals and find the investors. Let's yeah. talk about finding deals. Um, yes. Estate agents, they scare people when they're new. <laughs> they scare me still sometimes. <laughs> me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> what, are your, what are your deal sourcing tips? Just just talk to me about deal sourcing. Um, so for us, we don't do a massive amount of deal sourcing because we've always bought for a sell first. The biggest part of our business is lending on a return. But, you know, we do package a few deals um, every couple of months. Um, 
And it's normally things that don't sit in our criteria. So things that the, the estate agent or maybe our directive vendor campaigns come back with and they're just not quite right. So maybe they are a two bed or maybe they're an apartment because we don't buy apartments either. Um, but do you mean in regards to marketing, Tej? In, in anything, you know, like, for example, if I'm new to property or kind yeah. of fairly new, what do you think are some of the best ways I can find deals? OK, so number one has got to be an estate agent. Um, I know there's a lot of things out there about, you know, direct to vendor marketing and Facebook. They're great as well and we do use them. But I've always got a lot of um, deals from estate agents. And yes, people are nervous of going in them. And I was when I first started. But do you know what? they're not the big ogres that people make out and a lot of them once you're educated in property you do know more than most of the people in them estate agencies you know a lot of them are quite young they're just starting out they want to further the career um even if you've got someone in there who's you know i spoke to a lady today i've been on some viewings and she was saying you know i said oh, do you have any investments yourself and she went oh no i just don't feel like i know enough now she'd worked at this estate agency for five years um so they can be really helpful. Um, but I think the biggest mistakes people do make um, when they go into estate agencies, and I've heard it and I've even seen it um, time and time again, is they'll go in and go, right, I'm a property investor. Um, I've got loads of investors. Um, in fact, my investors have got probably about a million pounds worth of money. Um, what can you give me? What can you give me? And I think that is so wrong, like, because they get so many people that do that every day. Um, it's a different, you've got to build up a relationship with them. So I've always done it this way. So if it's somebody that I've never known, I've never been in before, I'll always go in with properties that they've got available on the market. One that breaks down the barriers. They don't feel as on the back foot when you first go in. So I'll go in with print a few things I've got online and say, I've seen you've got these online. Um, I'm really interested in these types of properties. Uh, me and my husband, we buy for ourselves uh, mainly. We're looking for two to three properties in this area. Um, could you help me? Have you got anything else similar to this? And they'll normally 99% say yes. Or if they say, well, no, that's all we've got. Say, oh, could you just tell me a little bit more about them? Like what's the vendor, um, what's the seller's situation? And it completely breaks the ice and it's a completely different type of entry as you going in saying, I'm a property investor, I've got all this money, what deals have you got? Oh, in fact, have you got a little black, black book behind your desk that you can put me in? Because you hear it and it's like so cringe. Um, you know, relationships are the highest form of currency in property. And you know that as well as I do, Tej. Um, and relationships are definitely, uh, sorry, estate agents relationships is definitely no different. Um, so I do that. I always take in with me a, a sheet of A4 paper with exactly what I'm looking for because they'll see a couple of people a day, if not more. Um, so I was going with, I'm looking for two to three bed properties in these postcodes. So I narrow it down to a postcode area. That's my personal preference. Um, they need to be, they need refurbishment. Maybe it's a probate property. It needs modernization. I'm looking between this guide price of 80 to 110. Um, these are my details. And also, which is really important, I appreciate not a lot of people can do this, but supplying proof of funds. Now, maybe it's not you that's buying, maybe it's an investor. Always be open with them and say, you are buying for an investor if you are. Don't say it's for yourself if it isn't, because they don't like that. 
and get your investor to provide proof of funds and say, look, this is my investor's proof of funds. You know, we're ready to move. Um, here's our solicitor's details. It's a lot more professional than you just going in, making out your big, you know, really big time um, and you've not packaged one deal or even bought one and it just puts them off from the word go. So that's how I've always attacked it and I've always had great success with doing it that way. Hmm. Interesting. And I think that's a really good point because I think some people are taught go in, just buy the deal under yourself and then change it later. And then like, but I think that honesty thing is, is really important. And, and like, yeah, not going in, hi, I'm a, I'm a big boy investor, got loads <laughs> of money. I have, I just come off a course. I want to see like, do you know what I mean? I mean, would you say that, you know, with estate agents, it takes time to build this relationship and maybe you have to prove to them by buying stuff? Yeah, I do. If I'm being really honest with you, yes, I do. Um, the, the relationships I have now that are a lot further developed are with people, the agents that we've bought and sold properties through. Um, is that going to be the answer everybody else wants to hear? Probably not. Um, but you just got to go out there and do it. And if you're serious about property, you are going to buy properties. So I hear time and time again, well, I've been out, you know, I've been to several estate agents. I've looked at all these deals. Yeah, but are you actually committed to buying this? Or are you just pissing about? Because mm. um, I think a lot of people are, they like the idea of it, but they're not committed to doing it. Um, so for me, yes, I, I don't want to say it, but once you've bought, one, two, three, four properties through them, you get into the black book and things come to you before they even go to the market. And I think it's really powerful, what, which not a lot of people discuss is, if you've got a property to sell, that is a very powerful tool because the, the boots on the other foot there, they're wanting your business, not the other way around. So that's a great way to build a relationship with new potential agents and also your existing agent. Hmm. I agree. I think when it kind of switches the other way, I like it because I'm also like, hey, look, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll sell this through you. But listen, I obviously, once I sell this, I've got money. So you're going to yeah. find me another deal or yeah. what? You know, because I mean, happy days. If you sell it through them, even if they're not the best agent, if you sell it through them, get a decent price and you get a deal sort of on the yeah. back end of it, then I mean, happy days. I'm not I'm not complaining. Um, Now, what are your thoughts on direct-to-vendor sort of versus agents because dtv is like the kind of holy grail but you know <laughs> is people, it <laughs> well that, that's what people say is on facebook um selling me dtv courses but um like do you think it's worth in your opinion you know putting the money time effort into dtv when agents have potentially plenty of deals already i do because i've had results from it mm. um I do, but I don't. I think what a lot of people do rightly or wrongly is I think they put all their efforts in D2V and don't use other avenues of marketing. So, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to market yourself, your business, whether it's you physically going into an estate agent, which is very difficult at the minute, or you're, you're doing direct to, to vendor, you're doing HMO mail outs, you're doing Facebook ads. You need at least three, four streams of marketing to get the deals in, to get that pipeline full of deals um, and to get you known in your in your area, which I think is also an important thing to, to note down. Um, I do use direct-to-vendor. I probably spend, 
I, I probably spend about £100 a month on it, so not massive amounts. Um, I get my VA to scrape right move for 90 days or more, the typical thing. Do I get some? Yeah, I probably got a 4 to 5% conversion rate, um, which is quite good, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cold calling, really, that's what you're doing, sending letters out. Um, do I use different colour paper? Yes, for direct to <laughs> vendor. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I don't from a HMO. And for me, the HMO register is very lucrative. And I don't necessarily want to build up a HMO portfolio. But I probably get... So I normally do a quarter mail out. There's 433 letters in there for Sheffield. And I'll get about... 10 to 13 calls a month, well, every mail out of people wanting to speak about their properties. But what I find is a lot of them have got buy-to-lets and that's why I target the HMO register. Mm. Very interesting. And let's let's talk about figures actually, because before we get onto like new builds, I want to just, you know, show people how, you know, buy-to-lets and, and what BRRs kind of look like. So yeah, tell me about one of your deals. Well, shall I talk? Let's talk about the two-bed uh, terrace, shall we? Oh, the, the classic, <laughs> the first one, yeah, the, the classic one. one. Yeah. Um, so we purchased that in 2018. Um, we purchased it for 69,000. It was through an estate agent. I'd never met this estate agent before. Um, just instantly built up a great relationship with her. She was asking a little bit about what we've done. And one thing she says, even now, because we've got a really good friendship now, um, she says, what I liked about you is you was very honest. You said, you know, me and my husband are just going into property investment full time. Um, you didn't say you'd done X, Y, and Z. You said, you know, we're looking up to build, we're looking to build our portfolio. So this particular deal had ha- higher offers on it, but there were mortgage offers. Um, so I think she said the highest offer was 72. We was the cheap, well, cheaper at 69. She managed to get us it at 69 because she liked us and we were cash buyers. Um, we spent, I think it was about 12 grand, 12 grand on it. Um, yeah, 12 grand on it. And then we refinanced it and we left in six, 6,100 pounds. We get 550 pounds a month. Um, and it cash flows each month, 250 quid. And what is the return on cash left in or cash? Do you know, I knew you were going to do that. Question. I just don't know. I just, I don't know. Sorry. I think it, I think it were in the mid, mid twenties. Mid twenties. And is there like a, like, so when it comes to deals for you, what is your, like, you know, what's your criteria? What does it have to tick for you to say, you know what? Yeah, let's have it. Um, so for us, it, you know, that one's pretty low, but it's got to be a minimum cash flow. So we work on cash flow really in our business. Um, mm. Once it's refinanced, cash flow for us has got to be an absolute minimum of £300. Um, we won't take anything less. That normally works out about 8% gross yield um, in Sheffield. Well, So we don't invest in the real shitholes. <laughs> um, <laughs> we invest in the slightly nicer areas. Um, and then return on capital employed is normally 25 20, 25% uh, return on our cash. We normally, as a business, what our model is, is because obviously we utilize a lot of investor funds. Um, we, When we're refinancing, we normally leave in our own money in regards to the, the refurb. So if we're leaving in more than the refurb, it's not a good deal for us. 
because um, we need to get our investor money out. That makes sense. And uh, how long, you know, this particular deal, how long did it take to go from getting the keys to, you know, having the refurb completed? Oh, eight weeks. Hmm. And is that kind of the, the standard for you? Yeah, so uh, we've never done anything more than 12 weeks. Um, and that literally is rewire, new kitchen, bathroom, um, new boiler, carpets, paint, bit of roof work, you know, a couple of slates replaced, etc., and tidying up the garden. At, it normally takes us eight weeks max. Mm, cool. But it's, I think the key thing here is as well, I don't know if I'm sure you do this as well, Tej, but we have a very detailed spec um, that we give to the trades that we use. So we don't use a builder, we use individual trades because that's my husband's strength. Um, we give it to them and we say, look, like on there is where we get the door handles from, where the doors come from, how much they cost, the type of door we have. So they don't need to think about anything because it is all on one piece of paper and all of our properties are the same. Every single property looks the same in regards to carpet, paint, doors, kitchen, bathroom. Um, they're all the same. And another reason why we do that is because you know, once we got the ball rolling, especially with the three beds, we did one, we photographed them and we always get them professionally photographed. When we was doing the next refurb, we were able to use them photos from the previous one because they're more or less identical to market it before it came to market, before the refurb was even finished. So then you've got a tenant, you know, you've got tenants waiting, you can build up that. And then as soon, literally, as soon as we've finished, we book um, viewings for the next day. Hmm. I really like that. And, you know, across this journey of, of, of building a portfolio of buy to let, what are the three biggest mistakes or, or kind of challenges maybe that you've had? Oh, gosh. Uh, shiny penny syndrome is definitely my biggest downfall. <laughs> um, so we got this property that I just spoke to you about, the two bed terrace. And then I went out, continued my viewings had a lead on a block of 11 flats, decided overnight I was doing serviced accommodation. Didn't really know where it was, but I thought I'll, I'll give it a go anyway. Um, that luckily fell through because I genuinely think that would have bankrupted us. Um, it fell through. Somebody else got wind of it and took it from underneath us, which is fine. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, and then I converted one of our flats into serviced accommodation. Like, yeah, this is the highest cash flowing strategy. I'm going to be a millionaire. In <laughs> As everyone in SA is a millionaire, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I, li I love setting it up. I love doing all the interior de like design. I'm, I'm not an interior designer, but I love putting all that together. As soon as the first guest came, I hated it. Um, <laughs> I've hated it ever since. It's just not my passion in life. So as soon my first opportunity, I run it for about six months. Um, and I think one month I made a profit, my lowest profit of £4.75. Damn, um, you're a millionaire. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what they don't tell you. <laughs> um, my so first tried... month made like three quid, yeah. I know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was not for me. So I turned it back into a furnished um, let and it's still furnished to this day and, and let out to the same person. Um so not all was lost. We broke mm. even, but not all was lost. Then I mm. thought, what's the next best thing? <laughs> HMOs. So I went down that road. So shiny penny thing for me is I still struggle with it. Um, second biggest mistake, I would think, is believing everything people tell you. 
believing that everyone on social media are these big time property investors and they've got all this property and they are what are you talking about don't ruin the illusion um well companies <laughs> houses otherwise mm-hmm. is all i'm gonna say mm-hmm. um as i've recently found out with several people in the industry um which i was clearly not going to name names on which i just find really disappointing you know i am my husband always says I'm too honest and I think I probably am um, to a certain degree, but you know, I'm more than happy for people to go on company's house and search how many charges we've got against our properties. Yeah. One building's unencumbered and two of them are in his personal name. And that's, that's just what we are. Um, so research these people that you feel you need to have training with thousand percent before you uh, pass over your cash. Um, and number three, laser focused i'm not laser focused i'm a bit scatter i get a bit bored i want to move on to that next thing so <laughs> they're my three uh, mistakes if you're getting into property be absolutely laser focused on what you're going to you're doing um don't deviate put them blinkers on and research the property uh, companies that you potentially might want to get some education from i love that solid advice um from your challenges there so you know you said new builds are easier uh yeah so i guess firstly what made you build you know from from mud and how has the experience been so obviously it was not my idea (laughs) as i knew nothing about property um so we originally bought the land um oh gosh back in 2015 so way before our property journey took off full time um, my husband, my husband at that point had just finished our first build to rent project, um, which is just behind Hillsborough Football Club in Sheffield. And it's got a nice plaque that says Muse at the top of it. Um, so he did that and he just loved it. He just really got a passion for it. And he just, he came home, home one day and like, Laura, I really want to give this new build developing a go. And I was like, oh, not being funny. I can't really help you, but yeah, you crack on love. Um, So we bought some land at auction for 89 grand back in 2015. And the journey up to building it has not been easy. You know, planning was a nightmare. We got planning thrown out. Um, It already had planning when we bought it. We went back in for um, two semi-detached. They said we couldn't have it because it was four dwellings. We eventually agreed on three detached properties because of the access to the property, which um, it was 4.2. It had to be, I think it was five metres going back to, to memory for two-way traffic. That meant because the access to the property is between two houses. We couldn't just pick somebody's fence up and move it. Um, and we tried to acquire some other bits of land around there. We tried to buy the house um, alongside the access point, which just, you know, it was all taking time. And then we would have had to go back in for planning. We actually put the um, property in auction last year, um, so we actually were going to flog it, but we couldn't get the money back for what we spent on it. So all in with professional fees at that point, we're probably sat in about 100 grand. Um, the reason we got itchy feet is because we're just thinking we could just do so much more with this 100 grand, like, you know, that could be four buy-to-lets potentially if we're doing them on a mortgage. Um, and we wanted to scale our netting, like our residual income each month up as quickly as possible. So... We had 12 months to replace our income from both Jack and his jobs in more or less to five grand to cover all costs. And fortunately, we have. Um, so we just made the decision uh, last year. We're like, look, let's just do it. We had a JV partner um, 
who came in last year, so 50-50 on the land. And has it been an easy process? No, in regards to, yes, it's always a learning curve. But having a brand new house where you can quite easily put the first fix electrics in, second fix electrics, the, you know, smooth plastered walls, um, carpets are straight down on level floors, uh, new kitchens are in, in, you know, all that part of it is amazing. Um, things they don't tell you about are things like drain agements and neighbours and that type of thing and planning and ground testing. <laughs> <laughs> but we've just, yeah, it's not been easy, but we've loved the experience and we've learned so much. And it's what we're passionate about is building quality houses for, for families in South Yorkshire. And that's what we want to proceed doing. And how long did it take to build it from the ground to, you know, to when it's finished? So we started digging the footings in March. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So what are we in March, April, May, June, July? Six, seven, six, seven months. Um, we were really fortunate that when lockdown happened, we had already pre-bought all of our materials in regards to building. So at that point, we were ready to do the the outer skins of the house well the skins of the house should we say um we had six builders um two from two different households so we were fortunate we could put two builders per house per plot and they continued to build as the uk went into lockdown um the only thing that potentially would have stopped us would have been the cement company but fortunately um marshalls were still working they literally used to come on site every every day or so drop some cement in these big tubs and go on their merry way and yeah we came out of lockdown and we had three houses <laughs> <laughs> i mean yorkshire tradespeople are bloody quick because <laughs> maybe it's the tea or the or the chip buddies but whatever you're, whatever you're feeding these boys i mean that is that is quick um yeah very impressive and when it comes so are you are you flipping these on or are you keeping these so uh, we're selling these. Um, we did have a discussion, obviously, with the market. We weren't sure what was going to happen. Are we going to sell them? Are people still going to want to buy? Um, and obviously, we've got, I don't know if you do know, Patej, but we've obviously funded, we bought the land, we paid the professional fees, but we've got an angel investor who's actually lending the build cost, so the, the build of, of that project. We were thinking, look, we, you know, what happens if, and that's why it's important in property that you always have exits. What if we can't sell them? What we're going to do? Well, maybe we could keep them, refinance them, and rent them out, and at least then we can pay the investor back. What if, because we're in JV, what if that's not going to happen? What about a tenant buyer? That was our kind of last part of call. Um, so we're flipping these, but we've got a couple of sites in there our grasp, which we, what we want to do is do bigger sites. So, you know, five plus, so five to, five to 15, really. Retain 10 around that figure. So retain a percentage and sell a percentage for cash flow. So that's kind of what we're doing going forward. So it's still buy to let. It's still absolutely set and forget. It's just doing it slightly different. Hmm. I like it. Build to let. And yeah. what are the figures like on this this one you've finished at the moment. Now, I know this one, Tej, because it's more recent. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> um, so, like I say, we, we purchased the land, um, all professional fees included for 100. Um, the build on this is at 400. 
Um, so we've it's it's ongoing because with this, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? We paid too much for the land. We shouldn't have paid eighty nine grand all them years ago. Mm-hmm. Luckily, where the, the properties are, um, the proper the housing prices have increased over the last few years. While we've been deciding what we do and don't want to do with it. Um, so the bill costs on that is 400 our finance costs so obviously we've lent uh, 350 from an angel at 10 percent our interest on that should have been about 45 grand but because we've worked in this area for a long time we've managed to extend our credit terms with a lot of accounts a lot of suppliers so we've actually only um we've not had to draw down as much so the actual finance cost is going to be around 25 grand because we've sold all three of them now mm. one's due to move in uh, november time so and we're actually getting the money back to the investor a lot quicker than we anticipated so that's really cool uh, gdv 675 so after we've sold them we should get a profit of 150 obviously we'll divide that between us and our jv so 75 grand for six seven months work bang daddy that is isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is, so that's nice. <laughs> that, that is nice, and you you know you you found it easier than a buy to let. I mean, I wonder if James would James agree with that? It was easier. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Not oh. the groundworks. Groundworks is a different beast. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but actually, the build, um, yeah. Because and the thing is as well, you know, James does get quite involved in our refurbs, our buy to let refurbs. Whereas with this, we've been fortunate. We've got an amazing JV partner who said, look, I'll come on board and I'll project manage. James mm-hmm. has all the, the figures. He sourced all the materials. So it's actually taken a bit of pressure off us. Um, so James can and, and me can continue to look for other projects to work on. So, it, yeah, we've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's had its struggles and it's been a bit stressful with people with drain easements from the school behind, um, which is another story which I won't bore you with. But, uh, yeah, it's... We've enjoyed the process and do you know what? I actually cried when I went a couple of weeks ago because I hadn't seen them for ages. And I went and we got a stager in to stage one of them because we're having mm-hmm. an open day. And I literally started crying because it's like, we've built this from nothing. Like there was nothing here <laughs> in January, like nothing at all. Um, and mm. we've got three amazing houses. It must be incredible to see that. And, you know, as we've been talking the whole time, you know, we've mentioned you've mentioned investors, JV partners, things like that, and you know, having your deals funded, purchased, refurb, what all of it, whatever it is. Um, yeah. People always, always want to know how do they find investors? Big question, many angles and answers. But what is your advice for people? And and I guess also then, how have you done it to find investors and JV partners? Social media. Um... It's where we found all of our investors. It's where people we've known for years have been watching us, social proof of what we're doing, um, which I think is really important because not a lot of people give social proof of their projects. We've touched on it earlier. People say they've done X, Y, and Z, but have you actually seen the results? Um, And that's the investors that we have. So we've got um, the one, two, three, six that lend on a return for between three and five years. Now that is some trust to lend you money for three <laughs> to five years. So, but that's now how we've worked because we've gone through that process. We've gone through that process of lending money for six months. Hmm. You think stressful trying to find the money. It's oh, even God. more stressful trying to give it back in six months. Oh, trust um, me, 
Um, so we don't do that anymore. But, we, you know, we're fortunate that we've had projects that we can demonstrate start to finish. But I've done it all through social media, being consistent, showing people what we've done, giving people social proof. And we are brutally honest. If we've had a really shitty day, we will tell people because there's nothing wrong with that. Property is simple, but the journey isn't. It's full of ups and downs, as you and you and I know, Tej. So um, if anyone's looking for investing not on social media, you are 100% missing a trick. Go out there and tell people who you are, what you do and where you invest and what you're looking for. And just to really you know, push that point home, how much money would you say is cert- for certain available to you or you have used from ac- you know across these investors? How much could you take and borrow if you wanted to? Um, so we're very fortunate that recently, over the last 12 months, we've got an angel on board. But when I say an angel, this guy's got over a hundred million pounds. More like a, a demigod then, by the sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but he's got access to a, a wider network, and um, so I won't really want to put a cap on it. I mean, we've raised, mm. you know, in my first year, I, I raised about four million pounds. That was a split between people ending on a return and people solely working with me and my in our deal packaging business because we don't work with other people that work with other sources. That's so just not what we've done. Um, so it's not physical money in my bank, which I've always been upfront about, but it's raising the money, and that's what people always struggled with. Um, but you know, we've, at the minute we've got in, we've I think I think we've got about five hundred in our sat in our bank account at the minute. That's from people recently who have transferred because we've got a project hopefully uh, coming to fruition at the end of November. Um, but yeah, we've. I mean. Uh, I don't want to sound like a knob. <laughs> you know? No, no, um, it's, it's important because, like, you know, it, it's people need to hear this because otherwise, you know, they people don't believe how powerful social media is or they don't think it actually works. But when you have that money in your account, when you have one person with that much money and you just think, hold on a minute, I've got this from, you know, arguably not leaving you know obviously you leave the house to go on site and stuff but arguably you could build a brand sitting on your office chair in your pajamas you could raise money from that like 100 percent. and and i think it's so powerful like to i mean look of course you can go networking but then it's tiring it costs money it's physical it's so much easier to do it now if you had to give some tips for people who are like, oh, you know, I'm I'm nervous about social media. I don't want people to judge me, blah, blah, blah. What kind of tips would you give people who are maybe a bit anxious or cautious about using social media? So I didn't want to do social media to the degree that I do it now um, at all. Um, you've got to get out of your own way. How much do you want this? Because that excuse is just bull. If you mm-hmm. want this so much, you really just got to swallow your pride and get out there. And yes, it isn't going to be perfect. Absolutely not to start with. But the only way you're going to get better is by doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So get out of your own way. Stop making your bullshit excuses and just start putting stuff out on, on social media, whether it's written text and images or maybe it's a pre-recorded video. And eventually you'll build up to doing live videos, which is the best reach as me and you know. Um mm-hmm. But stop making excuses and just do it. You know, I could make excuses about a lot of things in my life, but it's not going to get me anywhere. So and no one's going to do it for me, which I think is important. Mm. 
that's true and you know would you say that like would you say that you would have the success and the growth that you have had without social media absolutely not uh, social media completely changed our journey no one knew who we were not saying that everyone does now but certainly in Sheffield if anyone mentions property investment in a social media forum I would rec- definitely our name comes up four five six times from people who I've never met recommending Lauren James Mews in Sheffield um, it raises your profile and it, we would, there's no way we'll be doing the types of projects we're doing now without social media because nobody would have seen the proof of what we've been doing. Mm, and it's really important that you said, you know, when you've had a shit day, you talk about it because it's so easy to go on Instagram, type in, you know, FX, property, entrepreneur, and all you see is Lamborghinis, cash, <laughs> you know what I mean, Gucci bags, yeah, just been Selfridges, you know, or built these... <laughs> What you don't see is, oh, fucking builder walked off site. Oh, you know, had to drill a freaking yeah. drain. Got roots in my sewage. Got the shit overflowing. <laughs> got, you know what I mean? Which is like every day, really, for us. Yeah. Some days it's bags of cash. I'm still waiting for the day. I don't know about you, but I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that Instagram post. You know what I mean? But it's so important to share that because the person who's loaning you money is a human. And yes. they need to know that you're human and you're real because then it's trustworthy because they're like, well, if something's not going so great on site, chances are I'll probably see it on her social once she tells me as well also. But then they kind of know what you're doing. Whereas if you're not online and you give someone money, how the hell do you know what they're doing with it? Like, yeah, you don't. And I don't, I don't know about you as well, Tej. Obviously, you're, you know, you're definitely out there on social media, you know, quite prolific in in the property world and (laughs) but for my investors that actually is a bit of a security blanket for them because the last thing they want is you know like you've just said if you're not on social where's your accountability if I don't give my investor my money their money back they could quite easily go on social media and ruin everything that I've built up over the last couple of years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now that is powerful that is very powerful that is very powerful I mean that's kind of what people have said to me. They've said, Tej, look, you know, yeah, yeah, we've got all this security, we've got all these contracts. But they basically said, look, at the end of the day, your brand is so powerful that any scar or tarnish yeah. of it, you are going to take very seriously and not want. So it's their insurance. They don't, they yes. don't like to say it, but they're all 100%. thinking it, right? 100%. They're all thinking it. So um, is there any technology or apps or platforms or things that you can't live without that you think are really useful well obviously facebook (laughs) Facebook, um so we obviously have a lettings business so for me it's things like inventory hive absolutely love it you can literally do uh inventory while you're walking around that saves me so much time and hassle so if you're doing your own lettings inventory hive is a number one from me awesome um if you could have dinner with any two people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oof. Oh my god, I've never been asked that. Asked that before. Who inspires you, or who do you hate? Who do you want to poison? You know, it could be either dead, one. It, do you know what? Dead. It would have to be Freddie Mercury. Oh. Uh, I think he had the most flam- flamboyant, amazing lifestyle, but he also had struggles that he had to overcome. So I'd be interested in how he did that in such a public domain. Hmm. And alive? What? I mean, 
mean, just a date night with my husband once in a while won't go amiss. <laughs> I mean, you know, he is a bit of a celebrity around Sheffield, so, you know, fair enough. I, I will accept that answer. Um, yeah, what, what have you got planned then for, I mean, I don't know what day or time or anything it is right now, but some sort of lockdown thing. But, I mean, what's in the future for you? You know, where are you taking the business in the next however long? Um, so we've got some quite big plans and um, we've got quite a few offers in on big commercial um, on commercial projects, but more things like uh, industrial units. So we're quite keen to go into that sector. Um, that's even more set and forget than a buy to let. Um, and it's a fully repairing lease, which is even nicer. So, yeah, we're looking to go into industrial units. We're still going to obviously buy to let's come up. That's amazing. And focus on the build to rent strategy. So looking for more plots of land. And I'm just trying to build up our lettings business to run alongside that. So the reason the lettings business has kind of been dragged forward a little bit is because um, we're just going through conveyancing on 18 flats. Mm. So we'd obviously be taking up our property portfolio to over 30 units. So it's really important. I feel that we've got all our, our ducks in a row. And I hate using that terminology. <laughs> um, plus, we also manage our investors' properties. So um just making that a lot more formalized systemized i'm going to get somebody in part-time to help me my financial guys are taking more of a role in the lettings business as well um but for us it's it's going on to sourcing land buy to let uh, sorry build to rent and these bigger industrial units so exciting very very exciting and if people people want to get a hold of you, you know, understand what you're doing, you know, follow your journey. What's, what's the best place or places for them to do that? Uh, I'm on everywhere on social media. So uh, Facebook, it's Laura Muse or I Squared Property, which is our business. Um, you can find me there on LinkedIn, same names, Instagram and YouTube. Or you could just Google us and uh, give us a phone call. That's no problem. Or just walk around Sheffield and they'll yeah. suddenly appear. <laughs> <laughs> tell them you got a land deal for them and they'll be there yeah maybe if you have <laughs> <laughs> Laura thank you so much for coming on the podcast I have had a blast and I know people are going to take a lot of value from it so thank you so much no thank you Tej it's been a, it's been a pleasure if you like this podcast connect with Tej on Facebook LinkedIn and YouTube for more great content